Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 19. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read chapter 19, but I hope that you have or that you will. We're going to look at chapter 19 uh, pretty much in depth here today. And um, when I read this passage of Scripture in the book of... uh, Genesis chapter 19. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 in verse 7. He says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Do you believe that's true? Amen. Amen. I really truly believe that. As we begin to look in the life of Lot... In the last several chapters, we began to recognize that he has sown his seeds in such a way that he is now beginning to reap, reap something far worse than he ever possibly could imagine. I once heard a saying, and it says, as the twig is bent, it is apt to snap back in your face. So true. As a twig is bent, it's apt to snap back in your face. I'd like for you to stand with me as you look at your scriptures, Genesis chapter 19. We're just going to read the first three or four verses, but in respect of God's holy word, let us read these words together. As I read aloud, it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. In other words, he recognized immediately who these angels were, that they were coming from God. And I think he was embarrassed. I think he was embarrassed of his lifestyle. I think he was embarrassed of his behavior. And knowing that these are being holy men. There you find a child of God standing and dwelling in sin. And he's embarrassed. And it says, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned to him, and they entered into his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Well, we'll stop right there because we're going to look at the whole entire 19th chapter today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your precious word. And to realize that your word is true And to realize that it tells the good as well as the bad. 
Help us, dear Lord, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit here today. Help us, dear Lord, to be mindful of your holiness and the holiness that is to be exercised and demonstrated in the lives of your children. Father, may the anointing and the filling of your Spirit be upon us here today that Christ might be glorified in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As the twig is bent, it's apt to snap back in your face. Reminds me of a story that I read several years ago uh, in one of our daily um, daily bread books. And it talked about that very thing. It carried a story about an anonymous uh, author. And she had written about a family, a family by, the, uh, by this name that as she begins to uh, express and to describe them, the youngest son, he was 14 years old. They called him Junior. One particular day, his dad comes home and just smiling. And he said, I got good news and I got bad news. Bad news is I got a ticket today speeding. I got good news though. I know Jake at City Hall and he's going to take care of my citation. At 15, he was out riding with his mom one day in the automobile, the family automobile, and uh, she backed into a tree. And she said, no one's looking. And she said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to claim it on the uh, insurance that uh, somebody ran into our car. And that we're going to collect the insurance from that very thing. At the age of 16, Junior heard his grandfather talking one day. And he was reminiscing back during the days of when uh, his, de- his grandfather had a business. And in the black market way, he had made over $100,000 in selling automobiles in a very, very bad way. At the age of 17, his uncle came home and he says, you know, he said, uh, uh, I have a business. And he said that um, I've got a way that I get around the IRS. And that um, I don't, allow any of my customers to write a check. I don't send bills. Everything is in cash. And he says, therefore, I don't have to pay tax to the IRS. At the age of 18, Junior had applied to college. And his family was wanting to get him into this Ivy League school. And uh, so they began to put things down on his application as well as his uh, hopefully financial support, financial aid. They even lied about their income and he got into 
this Ivy League school without paying much to his tuition because of their lying upon the application. Well, Junior goes off to college. And as he goes off to college, he was having a tough time scholastically. And so one of the upperclassmen told him, says, I can sell you the exam and the answers to the calculus class. So he purchases it. He gets caught. Gets thrown out of school. They sent him home. His mother is embarrassed. His father is upset. And his mother cried hysterically. She said, how could you ever do something like this to embarrass us the way that you have? We did not bring you up this way. Isn't it amazing? What you sow, you shall reap. We find that very story happening in Genesis chapter 19. Here you find a man by the name of Lot. And you see his journey from chapter 12 all the way into chapter 19. And now all of a sudden you begin to see a twig that has been bent is now snapping and breaking into your face. I want to share with you a couple things today as we look at this passage of Scripture. First of all, as you begin to look at this passage of Scripture, you begin to notice that the spiritual interest of Lot that was left. Lot is a perfect example of a Christian that had allowed the world to influence him and to conform him and convert him to live the lifestyle of the world. I go back, if you were not careful, you would almost wonder if Lot was ever been saved. But I go back and I reminded in Second Peter chapter 2, in verses 7 and 8. And Peter reminds us, you have to go all the way through the Old Testament, almost all the way through the New Testament, to come to an understanding that Lot was a saved man. The Bible says, and delivered a righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Two different times it refers to Lot as a righteous man. Now, of course, he's not talking about him practically being righteous, but positionally being righteous. That he had come to a faith in God, a coming to a faith of acceptance and coming into a type of faith of where he could be known as a child of God. The Bible says he was just. The Bible says he was righteous. 
You go back and you begin to look at Lot's life and there's a couple chapters that I want to remind you of. First of all, Lot finding God. You remember the story in Genesis chapter 12 of when God was calling Abraham to leave the Ur of the Chaldeans. The Ur of the Chaldeans was a pagan land. They worshipped idols. And out of that type of atmosphere, God was leading him to begin a journey and a walk with the holiness of God. And the Bible tells us. The Bible reminds us there in Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 as it begins to talk about that very thing. And the Bible says that Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land. And so by the influence of Abraham, Lot responds by faith. And he finds God and he leaves that place of idols and paganism. But it doesn't take you very long to see Lot begin to forsake God. During Genesis chapter 13, we're reminded of how there was a time that God had blessed Abraham and Lot in such a magnificent way. Not only spiritually, but also materially. That the Bible says that the herdmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot, they began bumping into one another. And there was a conflict that arose. And the Bible tells us that Abraham, being the man of God that he was, he tells Abraham, I mean, he tells Lot, he says, you look out among the land, and he says, whatever land that you want, I will go the opposite way. And the Bible begins to remind us at that very thing of where he began to forsake God. And the Bible says he looked up into the land And he saw a land towards Sodom. Oh, you began to see of how Lot begins to drift and drift and drift and drift away from the mighty presence of a holy God. You see him looking for Sodom there in Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. The Bible reminds us, it said, that Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered and everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zorah. He was attracted by the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Here is a child of God. But that attraction of the flesh begins to overcome him. And then you began to see him leaving for Sodom. Genesis chapter 13 verse 11 and 12 it says, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. 
And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And look what happened. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then, one chapter later, you go to Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, you see him now living in Sodom. Do you see the progression that transpires and takes place in a child of God that when they become attracted to the world, attracted to sin, attracted to the ways of immorality? You find it here. It says in Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, And they took Lot, Abram's brother's, Son who dwelt in Sodom, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. In other words, he makes his home now living in Sodom. First, he was enticed by the world. Then we began to see he gets close to the world. And then the next thing you know, he just moves right on in. That's exactly the progression that takes place in the life of anyone that takes their eyes off of God and puts their eyes upon the world. There is that enticement. And then there is that progression. And then there is that demonstration. But let's go a step further. Not only do I want you to recognize the spiritual interest of Lot that was left, but also the spiritual identity of Lot that was lost. The Bible tells us in chapter 19, verse 1, look what it says again. And the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Lot in Genesis chapter 13, we made mention of the progression and that he, in Genesis chapter 19 verse 1, that he is sitting in the gate of Sodom. The gate back in the eastern days of those Believers are are those that's in the world at that time was a place what we might would know of as the city hall where they would conduct city business, the business of that community. Some have even said that uh, Lot not only lived in Sodom, but he was the mayor of Sodom. That he had taken up residence in Sodom and taken on responsibility of leadership there in Sodom. So you immediately recognize two things. First of all, of how the world began to conform him. The fact that he was sitting in the gate indicates now he is a citizen, he is a part of that community, he is doing what the Sodomites do, He's taken up their type of lifestyle. I think it's interesting. You go back to verse 2 and look at what the Bible says. And he says, Here now, my lords, please turn in 
to your servant's house. Circle that word house. I think it's interesting that he is talking about his house. You go and you study the life of Abraham and you see in chapter 18, Abram realizes he's on a pilgrimage and he is living in a tent. In other words, that this world was not his home. But then you look at Lot, he begins to think that his world is his home. That's his house. That's where he lives. That's where he takes up behaviors of the world. I want you to understand how easy it is that this world will conform your life. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 reminds us of that very thing. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, listen to this. It says, and be not what? Conformed to this world. That word conformed literally means don't be squeezed into its mold. Don't become like the world. But the Bible says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The world has one ambition, which is our enemy, and that is to squeeze you into its lifestyle, into its behavior, and into its beliefs. And so we see this happening so much in the life of Lot. Started out right, but all of a sudden it seems like he is going in a different direction. I think it's interesting in Genesis chapter 19, verse 7, it says, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. He's talking about those that had come to his house that night. And literally wanted to have sex with those angels. Homosexual relationship. And did you notice what what Lot called them? He called them his brethren. In other words, the world was his family. He called them his brethren. The world was his family. Nothing about the way that they live, the way that, that Lot lived, brought about anything that would remind you that he was a believer. Because that the way that the world had conformed him and squeezed him and he accepted that type of lifestyle. It amazes me when I see people today growing up in church and and growing up under sound doctrine. And yet, many young people today, they go off to college and they forget all that. And the world becomes their God. And they take on the lifestyles of the world. But not only do you notice that he was conformed by the world... But the Bible reminds us in verses 2 and 3 that he was controlled by the world. That he was controlled by the world. 
Sodom had a greater influence on Lot's life than Lot had on Sodom. Lot is so far from God that he literally begs the angels to stay in his home. In other words, his home was so unholy that the angels would not reside within that place, the Bible says there in verses 2 and 3. And he literally begs them. Here, he was so unholy that the holy shunned his presence. But you'll notice in Genesis chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, listen to this for a moment. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded their house. Think about that for a moment. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally, that we might have sex with them. Homosexual relationship with these angels. Now that's sickening. But let me share with you something that's even more sickening than that. Look with me in verse 6 and following. Look what Lot does. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Lot is saying to these men that who came to have sex with these Angels, he says, oh, don't touch them, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you my daughters. And you can do whatever you shall choose to do with them. A pretty sick society, would you not agree? A pretty much perverted society. And yet... There's those that in the Christian circles today that have allowed the world to conform them and to control them, to think like the world. We talked about that this last Sunday, of how popular the homosexuality has become within our society today. And I'm sure that every one of us, somehow, somewhere, in our families, we have individuals that, who have identified themselves as homosexuals. I said two things. First of all, if you really want to know how God feels about it, read Genesis chapter 19. And second of all, 
We as a church, we're to love them. And we're to try to reach them for the gospel. But my friend, I want you to understand, as you study this passage of Scripture, you will find that that if the world will ever get a grip upon you, it will mold you and master you and will control you. And you'll find yourself doing things that you never would ever have dreamed of. I don't believe that Lot, in his wildest imagination, that when he left the earth, the Chaldeans would ever thought that he would find himself in the situation that he is in at this particular time. As the scriptures, as I said to you, a few moments ago, Second Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. I want you to look at that verse of Scripture again. It says, and delivered just lot, vexed. Put a circle around that. That word vexed literally means tormented. It means convicted. Vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man are dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Righteous soul. He was conformed. He was controlled. But he was also tormented. My friend, you can't get away from God. You can try to sin and you can try to live of the world if you want to. But my friend, I want you to understand, God will, if you're one of his children, he'll convict you and he will beat you to death until he gets your attention. One last thing I want you to see. I wished this chapter ended on a better note, but it doesn't. Look with me in verses 9, 10, and 11. I want you to see the spiritual influence that was lacking in Lot's life. Look what the Bible says in verse 9. And they said, stand back. There they said, this one came in to stay here. And he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot. And came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house of them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Trying to find the door. The first sign of judgment. In Lot's life and in that world was the blindness that these angels dispensed and that was nothing to compare with with the brimstone and the fire that was about to come. I want you to see a couple things as we close. First of all, I want you to notice the testimony that was ruined. Look with me in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you... Anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place 
because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. These angels had come to warn Lot that they were getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and that they were going to destroy them with fire and brimstone. And so you'll notice here the testimony that was ruined. They, he says, do you have any family? Go and warn them. And the Bible reminds us that he goes and he begins to warn his sons-in-law that God is going to come and destroy this place. And the Bible says that the sons-in-laws laughed at him. They mocked him. They made him out as a joke. Ha! You're kidding me. Who are you to preach to me? I mean, I've seen you live. I've heard you talk. I watched how you have done things. Now you're coming to preach to me? His testimony is ruined. If the people you are around have seen you live like the world, my friend, they're not going to take you serious when you begin to talk with them about the things of God. They will not. But then the tragedy that was reaped as well. The consequence of his life were enormous. Genesis chapter 19 verse 24 says everything that... Lot had dreamed and worked for, accumulated for, had gone up now in smoke. Isn't it amazing? He went into Sodom and Gomorrah as a prince and he leaves like a pauper. The only thing he has is the shirt on his back. But notice what happens. You notice that he had defiant sons. Listen to what the Bible said in chapter uh, 19, verse 12. The Bible says in verse 12, Then the men said to Lot, Have you have anyone else, son-in-laws, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. You notice he talked about son-in-laws, and he talked about sons But go down and look at verse 16. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. It says nothing about his sons. It says nothing about his sons-in-law. That he lost them to the world. Lost them to the world. Apparently, they were defiant. And there were no hope or chance of getting them to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. But look with me in chapter 19, verse 17. So it came to pass that when they had brought them out, and he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain." Escape to the mountains lest you destroy, be, be, you, unless you be destroyed. 
Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords. Now look in the Bible what it says in verse 26. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. You go back to verse, verse, uh, uh, the verses ahead, and it says, don't even look back. Don't even look back. Run, flee, get out of this wicked place. And the Bible says that his wife was so attached to that city, that lifestyle, that she looked back, and when she looked back, she turned into a pillow of salt. Heard about a little boy one time who was in Sunday school. And uh, they were talking about this passage of Scripture that Lot's wife turned into a pillow of salt. She looked back and turned into a pillow of salt. And uh, the teacher said, do you believe that? One little boy said, oh, yeah, I believe that said, uh, my mom was driving the other day, and she looked back and turned into the tree. (laughs) Well, a little bit different perspective of that. But the word look literally means lingering. It literally means longing. She was on her way out in her body, but spirit-wise, she was still there in Sodom. And the Bible says that she turned into a pillow of salt. You see the defiant sons, you see a destroyed wife, but also you see a depraved daughter's. Verses 30 through 36, it says, Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old. And there is no man on the earth to come into us as in the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. And we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink that drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and laid with her father, and he did not know when she laid down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go and lie with him, that that, that we may preserve the lineage of our father Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus the daughters of Lot were with the child by their father. How sickening can you get? You have an incestuous relationship between the father and the daughters. Where did they learn this? 
They learned it in Sodom. He got his children, his daughters out of Sodom, but he never got Sodom out of his daughters. They get him drunk and they lay with him. A father and a daughter. How perverted can you get? How terrible can you possibly imagine? Lot reaped through fire and family. He reaped through the natural and the supernatural. And he lost it all. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He lost his reputation. He lost his testimony. All and it all started one day. He just happened to peep towards Sodom. All it takes is just one look at that pornography. Just one look. Why? It's not going to hurt me. All it takes just that one drink. It's not going to hurt me. I mean, after all, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. All it takes is just one step towards Sodom. And you find the aftermath, the result, and the damage of that life found here in Genesis chapter 19. God help us. When I look at our nation, I cringe. When I hear and see lifestyles of perversion as it is so become becoming so common in our world today. You cannot even turn on TV without seeing two women kissing one another. Where have we gone? How did we get in such a shape that we're in today? It all started just by one step. I don't know where you're at today. Oh, you may not be nowhere close to Sodom, but the world has tempted you. And in the midst of your temptation, you thought, hmm, that may not be too bad. I scream aloud. I warn you. Don't take that step. I think about our young people. My, 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 the pressures that is up against them in the world today. Like never before, I believe young people are faced with pressure of immorality, homosexuality, and perversion as they're being faced with today. 
What do we do as a church? I said last week, I believe one of the greatest, greatest things that we can do is to pray. Oh, God, put a covering of uh, protection upon our children. Put a hedge around them. Put a hedge around our lives. Put a hedge around where we're at today, in our homes, in our jobs, in our community. I challenge you today. I challenge you today, pray like never before. If God poured out his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, you can rest assured unless a revival takes place, God will pour out his judgment upon our nation. Lord Jesus, this has not been an easy chapter, but it's been a chapter that I believe that you've placed in your word for us to acknowledge and to take heed. God, I ask you, Oh, dear Lord, if there's a hint of sin in our lives, convict us. Oh, God, please don't allow the world to get a grip upon our eyes and upon our bodies. Oh, forgive us of where we may have stepped over the line from time to time. Forgive us, dear Lord. Help us to be men and women of holiness. A life that would be cleansed and it represents the, the righteousness of God in our life. Lord, help us to be mindful of those that have stepped far, far beyond the boundaries. Help us to pray for them. Help us to pray for our our children and our young people. Help us to pray for one another and that we might intercede as Abraham interceded on the life of Lot and his family. Oh, God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray.